You are listening to the Partnership for the Arts talk show with Dave and Kat. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. Dave, what are you doing over there? Oh, I'm besides reaching for my coffee, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I will. I was kind of catching up on the homework for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So uh, I got it now. I got my notes there. So. And there's a lot going on, isn't there? uh, There's a lot going on. So we haven't had a chance to do this in a while. Uh, Sit down and kind of catch up on the art scene. We did this back in episode 28. 28. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. So we have a little time between interviews. We're going to catch up on the art scene going on around here. And then we're going to actually get back and answer some more questions that you, our listeners, have been wanting us to get to. We didn't get to everything in that show, and we did promise them the next chance we got, we would cover some of that Mm -hmm. stuff. So we're going to do that. And then uh, we're going to cover just a few things again with right. the arts because this is our where we talk art episodes where we get a chance to do this not and, very often yeah and drink our high and coffee. drink our coffee <laughs> yes speaking of which i got my coffee i'm doing good how about you i'm doing great too got the uh, thermos going here just been just a step below the iv <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't tried that one yet i'll tell you what let's go ahead and get started This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can also find all of our episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or our newest website, pftatalkshow.org. This show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Okay, we are back, everyone. So happy you could join us. Kat, you had a class today, right? Yes, I you did. Teaching yeah. your class, right. It always gets better mm. uh, every time. I just absolutely love it. And you yeah. had a full house in there today. Oh, yeah. Saw a couple of new faces in there that I hadn't seen before. I popped in and said hi. Right. But I went, you are busy. I'm not going to I'm not gonna interrupt <laughs> your class again. Just join us. <laughs> <laughs> I have this to do. <laughs> I have my work to do, too. Uh, and, of course, we're starting in the new year, in the middle of the season. Yeah. So you are busy, busy, busy. Yeah, people are coming back early. Yeah. And you've been seeing that in the classes you teach. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that in the class and then other areas where I teach, you know, just coming on in and you know, even working with the commissions, mm-hmm. you know, people coming down wanting to see what I'm doing. Right. Again, you have a packed house there. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we wanted to go ahead and touch on some of the art scene going on around here. Right. Because yeah. we promised we would do that. So we've mentioned some of the restaurants and stuff around here. So we're going to do this again because people haven't been asking. And I want to say this is not all of the restaurants in the area by any stretch of the means. Right. Yeah. But it's a few and some that that we frequent yeah season starting mm-hmm. people ask where's some good places to go so we're going to start right there on the water in lashley park at the marina there is lashley's crab house just absolutely love it a wonderful seafood places you're up a story so you're looking over the marina you're looking over the harbor some beautiful views there oh yeah great food outside bar i think live entertainment there every now and then and then 
another one of our favorites is the Wyvern. And I have to agree. Yeah, the the uh, the rooftop 360. Oh, what a up view! There. Yeah, it's Can you gorgeous. It? It's just it's so well set up. Yeah. And the food is is tapas style. They, yes. They, they offer uh, a variety of, I think they're smaller plates, although mm -hmm. I think on their menu, they also do have the traditional dinner plates. They have variety. added some to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the rooftop is just more or less the tapas style, which is delicious. Right. It's and local, all the local grown food, but but the music. Yeah, the music, yeah. the music too. Yeah, they have a variety of music there. They have, sometimes it's acoustic. Sometimes they have keyboards set up there. Mm -hmm. Robin King, one we had interviewed here on the show, right. he plays there with the keyboards up top. And then when he goes downstairs to the 88 Keys piano mm -hmm. bar, then of course he's playing that big baby grand piano right, down yeah. there. And they have several jazz bands playing in there, three trio mm -hmm. playing in there. Good stuff. It, it really is good stuff. Yeah, and the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere. music, the beauty of the place. Yeah, it's a artwork. cool looking place. It's art deco. Yeah, and, and original artwork's in there. And original yeah. artwork, again, yeah, mm -hmm. you're right, is in there. We definitely should mention that because the artwork in there is artists from the Visual Arts Center. That's right. Here in Punta Gorda. I don't know how often they change those out. I think it's every six months. Every six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. A little while ago with the with Gina. Right. I think uh, that was, was September, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gina Battle, one of our guest co-hosts that's been on the show. Right. So her mm -hmm. art is up there in the lobby. But yeah, they, they've got artwork from all the artists in the uh, Visual Arts Center. I guess instructors, I should say, and artists as well. Right. Up every level. Everywhere mm -hmm. in the place. Uh, the Wyvern, of course, is, is a partner with the Visual Arts Center here, where we are doing the show from the library. And they, they really, the owner, they really support the visual arts and the arts, obviously, performing as well. And then moving down the street, there is another good one. Right. Moving down from the Wyvern is the Celtic Ray. Okay, right. And that's the Irish pub. And they have, of course, Irish music, but they, they kind of mix it up every now and then, and now they're building their new outside beer garden. That's right. On yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, always a lot of fun there. It is. It's quite a place. It's uh, quite a place. Yeah, just the the vibe of it. The vibe, yep. yeah. Yeah, and a lot of fun, good food, mm -hmm. good food. And I wanted to mention something kind of in that category, and I guess I'm actually gonna steal a little highlight here from uh, Stacy and Mary from the Taste of the Arts. Right across from the Celtic Ray on, on uh, Nesbitt, right mm -hmm. there at the corner, there's a little little store, I guess, mall, right. uh, where you turn to go into Lashley Park, there's a little bakery. Fabulous. Yeah, uh, T&D yeah, Bakery. But... Yeah, Debbie and Chris are the owners of it. It's all fresh bakery food mm -hmm. and gluten-free and healthy, Right. foods like that in there great little place and of course they have jazz playing in there too so. and and the variety of coffee the, yep. the spiced coffee yeah they got the spiced coffee they got a little little coffee bar in there but it's really the bakery and everything else that they have there they make stuff fresh every day it's really fantastic yeah. i know <laughs> yeah we we've uh we've loaded up on quite a few of their good stuff there. <laughs> in fact i was just shoving the plate over there where you asked me what I was doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but in addition to that, they do have a lunch menu yes. to go with that. But it's all just like you said, fresh ingredients, right? 
you know, made that day, mm -hmm. put together, really delicious. Yeah, Debbie and Chris are great people. They, they always say hi to you when you come in the door. But I want to mention that to everybody because we, again, we've had people ask place, so that's something new for them to check out there as well. And then moving around the corner, around the block, down there to Marion, we have some wonderful restaurants right there in the area, like the Perfect Caper. Right. And then right there on the corner of Marion and 41 North, not a restaurant, but a bookstore. <laughs> oh yeah. The uh, Copper Fish. Right. And they have a lot of local artists in there, authors in there, they have book readings. So pretty cool place. Right. And then right down next to it, again, not a restaurant, but is the Sea Grape Gallery. Love it. Yeah. Some wonderful artists in there as well. Up there. Mm -hmm kind of our sister gallery in town with the uh, VAC. Right. Okay, so back to the restaurants. And then there's a wonderful little place uh, back off of Marion. It's uh, Bella's Bistro. Great little place. You can sit outside. You can take your dog with you. Uh, we often take Max. <laughs> oh, yeah. And enjoy some good food and music yeah. in there. And along that same stretch, there's River City Grill, Italian, some great Italian food. And then moving a door or so down the street, formerly the, the Turtle Club, but they have music there. They have the, the blues night there every month. And then going right across the street there to FM Don's, uh, they have a variety of music yeah, in there. Yeah, a great mixture going yes. on there. And the food is good. Good, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you have Master Chef Keith. In the kitchen there, a co-owner and uh, again, master chef. The same one that was uh, on the Taste of the Arts, their first guest on their show with uh, Stacy and Mary there. Right. Uh, too, and they got that little outdoor right, bar on yeah. the corner there. And they have live music in there. That kept me and you were there just recently. How about that jazz? Oh, I love it. Yeah, he oh. was great. In fact, he, he played quite a few different horn instruments there and I actually had a chance to check in with them, talk with them. They'll be coming on the show. Yeah, yep, I get a remember, chance. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, quite an interesting story with, with those characters. Oh, can't <laughs> wait to hear. <laughs> okay, and then right down the street from around from them is... It's Orange House. The Orange House. And they also have a variety of music going on right, there. Right, yeah. they do. They have a range of music in there too, and it's a great place. I like the Dark Woods Bar, and, and you know, again, it's another limited seating place. Small, right. very good. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that the music, when they play the music, it isn't blowing your ears out. Exactly, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a great place. And then about a mile down the road on Marion, from all of this downtown, you have the Fisherman's Village. That's right, and there's so much going on with that. Yeah, some really, really great restaurants. And you entertainment. Gotta, yes, yeah. and entertainment. There's always somebody playing live at different areas down through Fisherman's Village there, outside of Scott's and the Village Fish Market. Right, yeah, at the very end, they have the captain's table. The captain's table is yeah. up top, and okay. then Harpoon Harry's. Yeah, the Harpoon Harry's. Yeah, which yeah. has got music mm -hmm. there too, down below. <laughs> but yeah, all kinds of good food, places to eat in there. Yeah, you have your ice cream shops. That's, yeah, ice cream just, shop, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then all then all the other uh, uh, retail stores in right. there. Right, they'll uh, have um, art events there, the bowls in there. Visual so. Arts Center has mm -hmm. those over there too. The fact they had one in August. That's right. Uh, they had there, but yeah, lots of good food, lots of good entertainment, and I really, 
enjoy it for the fact is at most of those places you can actually I think all of them you can set outside Right, right yeah. over the water mm -hmm. and watch the dolphins swim around oh, and play. It was great. We actually saw a family was obviously a newborn dolphin was, was wow. small. It was only about two and a half feet long. And wow. mom and dad out there swimming around. Yeah, so it's great, you know. Yeah. So great, great place there. Good art, good music there. Yes. Great entertainment, always live. Open day and night, That's lunch right. and dinner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we kind of got those covered there. We wanted to make sure that we mentioned that. Again, to the people that were asking to list those again, and of course you can go online and find them. Exactly. But we yeah. promised we would, we would mention <laughs> those. Okay, so a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go into the question and answer segment of this show. So everyone hold on, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra, the art correspondent of Fort Myers. You can listen to me on Partnership for the Arts talk show for updates on Fort Myers Seeds. Okay, we are back and we want to make sure that we thank Sandra, our art correspondent there in Fort Myers. And again, we have art correspondent from around the world to report on the arts there in their area, wherever it may be. You can go to our new website, which is pftatalkshow.org. And of course, the PFTA stands for Partnership for the Arts. So it is pftatalkshow.org. And you can go there. I believe it's the cast and crew page. You can scroll down there to the bottom, and then there is a form to fill out if you're interested in possibly being a guest on the show. Or, again, if you want to be an art correspondent, you can fill out the form. We'll get that information, take a look at it, and uh, we'll get back to you about possibly joining the team there. Right? Yeah, pretty cool. So, anyway, with that being said, okay. we promised the listeners that we would uh, look at getting back to answering some more questions. Right. And again, these questions are in reference to, Kat, you uh, being a master painter. Again, you paint in the old master traditions and ways. So these are all relative to that. So here we go. Question number one. Kat, yes. do you have a favorite list of materials that you use when you paint? For me personally, I don't have one line strictly of paints that okay. I use. For example, it's not all Gamblin or Old Holland or whatever. Over the years, I've as I've acquired paints, I like the particular paint color from a particular brand. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, I have Gamblin and Old Holland. The Old Holland tends to be a little bit more expensive. Gamblin is a really good quality paint that's affordable with anything they have. is Everything's archival. And I use their solvent gamsol which is odorless doesn't mean it's fumeless but it's is very tolerable i can't tolerate all the original i guess true heavy duty turpentine yeah, or damar varnish right. or anything like that um, i'm starting to like rublev colors from natural pigment okay i started i came across them maybe about five years ago mm -hmm. and i so i would say that they're becoming equal to gambling mm -hmm. you have certain colors that you use out of one or the other that you prefer because I know you're mentioning both uh yeah and it really depends I, I do use a lot of colors now over the years I'll, I'll tend to lay out more colors but just little small right. amounts of them you do a big full palette I do I do so for example I love a terra vert it's called green earth by old holland mm. 
that's probably my favorite because I can make a lot of really neat mixtures with that, especially with this cobalt violet. I get a color that I kind of chanced upon mm. and I tend to use it in certain areas of the flesh tone, but I also used it to get a patina effect when I was painting this visual texture of a building. So I use that a lot now. Then there's other colors that I get from Rembrandt. It, they're very, right. They tend to be a little bit more oily or transparent in general, buttery. Mm. Old Holland can have a little bit more stiffness to it, which I like in some of the colors. So it really, it does boil down to choice. I would just say, start off with something. If you're just beginning, you have a budget, gambling's good. But if I learned about the other brands because there was a particular color that I saw in the brand that I knew I was gonna have to mix it anyways. And I thought, oh, this would work perfectly for my painting. Mm -hmm. And then I acquired it, I still use it. Other colors that I acquired like that, they're still with me in my supply and I pull them out here and there. I don't use them as much. But I think those are probably the three, the natural, the Rublev Natural Pigments Company, Gamblin and Old Holland okay. are my favorites. All right, okay, so that's the paints, the oils, and the brushes. In terms of brushes now, I like to use a variety. I tend to like rounds. Okay. And then the next, I like the filbert shape. I rarely ever paint with a flat. Oh, it's really? only to get a certain, if I'm outdoor painting, I wanna get a texture, like clump of leaves or something to describe that. I use that for texture, but personally, I love rounds. Okay, good. So, next question, Kat. They're asking, I know this doesn't apply to every application that you do, but as you work your way through your paintings, is there any particular order of brushes that you use or you prefer? I start off, when I start off a painting, I start with a stiffer brush to get the paint on my support. And that could be a synthetic nylon that's a little bit stiffer or synthetic hairs or even a bristle brush. Then I move into pretty much synthetic rounds or filberts that have a little bit more give, a little bit more flexibility. And then when I'm finishing up a painting with a lot of glaze layers, I use a very fine, soft sable kind of brush to just float the layer. It, it won't leave any brush strokes. You can just really glaze easily with that. And it's a really soft, very flexible, hair brush. I personally like to paint with small brushes. I, right. Yeah. It's the way I do the application that the small brushes allow me to do it faster. And I can, I feel like I have more control over it than a bigger brush. Now, some people are complete opposite of that. They have more control, you know, getting more area down. Mm -hmm. And I just say experiment. Make a choice of a brush is I think about, like I'm, I'm going for a visual texture. What do I need to do? How is the tool in my hand gonna help me? And when you start to ask yourself that question, you'll go for the right size brush that you can really use. It's for example, a sculptor, like if they're putting some fine detail in, they're gonna go, should I use dental tools to really get some fine detail? Well, we learned that from Tony Walker. He used Right, that's true, tools. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for so, his uh, sculpting when we interviewed him on the show. Right, right, right. 
but the brushes i think are the same way if i have a tight corner a smaller area detail or i'm trying to feather out something very small i'll go for a smaller brush so i can it's almost like tick 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 i'm just kind of pulling that out but that's the way i work mm -hmm. that's my application process so is that what you recommend to your students in your class classes get somewhere in between that for a starter set of brushes for my students and then i let them try my brushes and then slowly they'll figure out where they land on you know what size what flexibility or springiness the bristles have but but that's just for me personally i just discovered that i'm a lot faster with small brush <laughs> <laughs> right with your well let me ask you dave with uh working with your graphic novel mm -hmm. you're working with a lot of ink mm -hmm. well i do i draw and then ink the pages and then uh, i'm doing digitally coloring but as far as the oils yes i'm actually painting the promo splash page which are the very large full colored page that you do okay. so i'm doing larger renditions for the promos for the uh, the graphic novel like the one i did it's a then i hit the mic again it's <laughs> it's a double splash page so i used oh. a large canvas on it brushes uh i use a variety of brushes i find i guess like you Using the small brushes for, for the smaller detail works right. great. You know, when I start making the bigger, broader strokes for some of the texture, then I'll go with the bigger brushes. Okay. And all this is done with color? Well, I use, I use the Indian ink to draw, and then I go to the oils over that. Okay. So you right. know that the oil won't stick to the Indian ink, right. so it comes out. And that's just easiest with oils. Yeah. And you know, that came from when I started under the tutoring of another fantastic realistic artists such as yourself cat that would be terry moore strickland from the forestall art center in birmingham alabama right right she's right. a fabulous artist yes yes yeah. and she used rembrandt right okay. so i got into using that and uh, so i kind of stick with those i have mm -hmm. a couple of others that i found that i like especially with the dark dark blues Okay. I kind of go with variation of that. Kind of stick with the Rembrandt. I, I like the flow. I like a little more of the oil to it. Yeah, it has a really nice butter. It, the paint flows really well out right. there. Right. Yeah. Right. And especially when there's lots of layering. And it sounds like you actually researched the traditional method of laying out the comic. You know, I, I grew up in comics. I have four older brothers, so right, yeah. I got that, and that's how I actually learned to draw. I was drawing comics, and uh, that's right. Fortunately, <laughs> mom supported that. She's uh, She was an artist herself. Uh, she could draw, and uh, she supported that all six of us, all six boys can draw. We have all that talent handed down, that gift. So yeah, I that's comics, right. I did that. I studied all the books and everything else, and then I actually uh, had a chance to take some classes uh, from okay. some some illustrators in mm -hmm. in the field to do it so i got those tricks and trades in there and i still do it the old-fashioned way you know i still hand draw everything i still enjoy hand inking everything i still have the pro blue board that most comic book illustrators used and some still use i imagine okay. uh, quite a bit but i do that and that's all i use blue pencil the erasable non-fold blue because blue pencil, it won't copy and it won't show up when you go back over it with Indian ink. So, Interesting. yeah, okay. it's a light blue yeah. pencil. It, it's standard 
but I do all my renditions and my drawings. Thumbnails yet? Right, yes I do. Once I get an idea, then I'll do thumbnails yeah. of it, and then I'll start laying it out, and I'll try different angles on different sketches until I get what I like. And then I'll go in and I'll do each panel. And of course, uh, you know, comics, you can have the big splash page, as I mentioned, or it can have anywhere from five to 10 panels per page. Right. The more panels you have, the less room you have for artwork. And then you yeah. have to keep in mind if anybody's speaking or you're trying right. to use the captions, then you've got to make room for those. But uh, that's how I kind of laid those out. So I hope that answered some of the questions that I know you have been feeling over there right. for that. But Kat, I'd like to switch back to you because uh, we are running out of time and did promise we would get to these last few questions before we end the show. So <laughs> <laughs> here we go. When you get an idea, do you have one certain process? What's your favorite process for doing it? Does oh, it change with the subject matter of it does. It out? The subject matter um, would have an influence on how I approach it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, first you have the idea. Maybe I wanted to express an intellectual thought about something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I usually do this with my still lifes. And then I'll start to gather the materials for it um, that might express the theme that I'm thinking about. And then I collect the images and I see how it works out visually. I bring in a lot of stuff. I do a lot of research. So this is how I let the idea brew. I kind of research it, gather more information. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just play around with uh, composition, different setups. When I kind of have idea and I can actually see it formalized, that's when I'll do a thumbnail sketch. Okay. It's usually figurative or even landscape or something. The still life of the trompe l'oeil, I have the idea, but I don't have the vision of it yet. That's when I play with the setup to get the vision. And then I'll play with some thumbnail sketches of that. So that's how I start. Now we had touched on this a little bit before, Kat. I know sometimes, depending on your subject matter, you'll do the markings right on the canvas itself. I've done it where I've drawn directly, painted directly on the canvas, started with paint. Mm-hmm. That was usually with a figurative work I've done, uh, or I've used charcoal on the canvas, the, the, the uh, stiffer vine charcoal to do the drawing and then paint on that. Okay, so is there a preference? My preference is to really just do a drawing. Like a light sketch? I bring the drawing to fruition enough that I could see the values, but it'll give me the, the, the quality of line. Mm -hmm. So I'll work the drawing just enough like that, get the quality of line, I'll transfer that drawing, just the uh, silhouetted lines of it, right. uh, to get the proportion right, the feel of it right, the size to format right. Okay, so once you have the, uh, the markings, the drawing transferred to the canvas, then what? After I transfer the drawing, I start an underpainting. Okay. And, which can be a very loose grisaille, which is I'm just kind of doing a wash to establish the value range in mm -hmm. there very loosely. I could do a more meticulous grisaille, which is just painting in grayscale. Uh, mm -hmm. but it, yeah, we, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or sometimes the underpainting is full color. Right. Again, depending on the subject matter. Exactly. And usually in that stage, in the underpainting stage, the painting starts to inform me. And I actually take elements out or know that I have to add something in. Ah, in a different direction. Exactly. Okay, well, there's a reason I actually use that phrase, because 
That takes us to the next question. <laughs> is Kat, you have mentioned that at times when you're creating your paintings, you'll start in one direction and then maybe go off in another. How do you or when do you know that's the right direction? Wow, that's, does that ever really happen? Right. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever really know that? I mean, I know you put an extensive amount of research into yours uh, first before your final layout, but when I'm working on mine, it's, it, it's always a step by step. Does it feel right? Is it looking right? I mean, I, I've gone back and gone in one direction and just wiped it out because I got inspired to do something else. Does that work that same way with you? I've learned that I'll start to initiate it. I'll just go forward. I'm not sure if I'm in the correct value. It becomes reference points. I start to build it up. Then I start to really engage that initial feeling that inspired me to paint it anyways feeling. And sometimes if I have a still life set up, if I'm too strict, like I'm going to get exactly every single value correct and every single element in there. Yeah, that, that's tough. The painting come flat. And but I'll in, be working on it for six months. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. I still work on it for six months. Huh. <laughs> Maybe not for six years, but in any case. <laughs> well, there's your answer. Throw it to the side. Right. <laughs> okay, well, I guess at that point in time, you've, you've pretty much solidified what you're doing, decided to go in that direction, even though it might vary some. Exactly. It's that stage informs me and then I start to go with it. For the most part, it's pretty much my vision, but it's mm -hmm. something shifted. I find that that's how I dance with the work. And I feel that in the end, the painting feels more alive. And I'm sure you find that too, as you're oh, yeah. working it out. But I do, it, it sounds meticulous, like, okay, I created a drawing transfer the drawing, do the underpainting. Some artists cut out all those steps. For me, I love the process. Each step is a meditation to get me deeper into my subject. That, that, that's like a still life, especially my trompe l'oeils. Mm -hmm. I could spend 40 hours setting one up, really. Um, and, you know, I just play with it. And I usually start those when I, you know, I'm still working on other work and then I get tired of painting. Well, let me play around with my elements here. Okay, glad you mentioned that because that was one of the other questions. Do you work with one or many paintings at the same time? And I know that you actually may be working on several at one time. Yes, yes. And the reason why with oils, as you know, Dave, that when I get toward the end of an oil painting, I'm doing a lot of the transparent layers like that using more mm -hmm. medium. I need more time to let that dry before I put the next right, layer on. Right, or you mess everything up you just did. Exactly. And then I'll get that done. I'll work on something else. Or sometimes I'm just focusing the same painting day in, day out. Believe it or not, I feel like I can get exhausted. And even though I'm still painting, because it's something different that I'm working on. You get re-energized. Yeah, I get yep. fresh. So I might work, you know, four hours here and four hours on another painting. Some days I feel really good eight hours straight on a painting. I've gone like 14 hours. <laughs> And, and I think I had extra high octane coffee to do that. <laughs> it <laughs> and, helps. Right, right. So when you switch from one painting and then you go to another work, you see that other work with fresh eyes and then you feel energized to work with it. Mm -hmm. So it, there is an approach, but always the, the, the mainstay is sketches, working out a drawing, transferring the drawing. Okay, so we are getting short on time here, Kat. But I think it's the last uh, question because you did just mention it. And 
did have several uh, inquiries come in about the process for transferring your drawings over and your preference. Okay, so what I do is once I have my support ready to go, I line up the drawing and I'll know the size of the, how the drawing needs to be, how it mm -hmm. fits into that dimension of the support. Let's say it's a 30 by 40 inch or, or whatever it is. I know how it's gonna fit. And so what I'll do is I'll line up one edge of the drawing with the edge of the painting. You know, you can use a T-square to make sure the horizon line is running parallel to the edge of the format or the panel or the canvas I'm using. And then I tape one side down. Mm -hmm. I make my own graphite transfer paper. Okay, so graphite transfer. Okay. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I'll just take paper and take like a very soft lead and I get the thick graphite sticks and I just, you know, color it in, like color in that piece of paper. What about charcoal? I've done charcoal, but it gets really kind of smudgy. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can get wax-free transfer paper. You can buy that. That works really well. Mm -hmm. But it's so fast to make your own. I turn that face down and I put the drawing over it. And I and I actually transfer with the ballpoint pen. Okay. Uh, it works better than a pencil. If I'm using a canvas, I put books underneath it to support make it, it to mm -hmm. support it so it's level with the stretchers and it won't bow in because that can actually warp the drawing. Yes. You got a funny looking arm there. Yep. <laughs> Stuff or I Or a really funny expression. <laughs> yeah, that eye is really skew. <laughs> but I predominantly work on panels that mm -hmm. I prepare myself. I like the hard surface, the way the paint feels on it. I like to get very fine detail. So if there's any texture to the surface, it's harder to get that detail with the weave of the canvas. Yeah, yeah. So that that's just my preference okay yeah okay so. well i think that covers it and we're about running out of time here Already. At Cat. yeah and amazing oh. uh, i think we we covered that uh, majority of it yeah we just wanted to tell everybody thank you listeners for getting in touch asking those questions and we will from time to time as we do these art talk shows uh, with cat here in the studio we'll cover some more of those but keep them coming yeah, keep them coming. It's such a pleasure to talk art. I just love listening to you too, Dave. You have so much information there. Well, thank you. But well, I think I'll leave the majority of that expertise for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is great. I, I, there's no better place than just talking art, having coffee. In uh, the Visual Arts Center, right? I know. <laughs> Wow, I'm in heaven. <laughs> there we go. We're going to sign off on that note right there. So everyone, we appreciate you joining us again for another episode. We will be back with you shortly with another interview. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that's what we're going to say about the interview for now. Yep. <laughs> we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to join you again in our yep. next episode. Exactly. So everyone, thank you for joining us on Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. And we will talk to you soon. Kat, you have a good day. You too, Dave. And blessings, everyone. That's right. You know, I did run out of coffee, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, so here we go with next question. If I, wait, I. Where did the camera go? Okay, here we go. All right, you are there.
don't tell me none of it recorded. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Yeah, I forgot to hit the record button. Sorry. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was a first good run, Sandra. <laughs> No, I, I, I can tell you were concerned that I was going to show up late without your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is Partnership for the Arts Talk Show. Thanks for joining us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can find this and other episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or our newest website, PFTA Talk Show. This show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida.